Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Our special guest today is Ramona Trevino, who is a former Planned Parenthood manager who's turned to a pro-life advocate and actually will be coming to the Celebrate Life March on January 11th here in Denver. And Ramona, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so maybe for people to get a little familiar with you, I know, you know, looking at your background, uh, you worked at Planned Parenthood for three years, but I saw just, you know, kind of gazing on some things that, you know, you had become pregnant in high school or an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Maybe talk a little bit about that and and maybe how did that lead you into wanting to help others that were in that situation that may have led you to Planned Parenthood? Right. Yeah, it's 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 actually quite quite interesting when I tell that story and I look back and think, wow, how did I end end up at Planned Parenthood, right? Because um, at 16, I became pregnant and abortion was unthinkable. It wasn't on my radar. It wasn't an option. You know, pregnancy meant, you know, pregnancy. I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby. I'm a mom, you know, from the right. moment that that test was positive. And my parents, you know, God bless them, they never even mentioned abortion. You know, that it was just okay, you know, we're going to be grandparents, you know, it wasn't, you know, the best circumstances or anything like that, but, you know, we, you know, you accept the reality, you know, of the the consequences of sex, right? Yeah, and you, don't, so, you don't want to make a bad situation worse. Right, exactly. Right. And so, you know, I, I just, I think that that was a huge grace in my life, you know, having the support of my parents and, um, you know, making the best of the situation, you know, that, my dad was just kind of like, okay, well, you know, you're going to go back to school and, you know, we'll make the best of it. And I ended up dropping out of high school. I was in an abusive relationship, which really, you know, contributed to a lot of depression and anxiety I was dealing with and stress. And so um, I did end up getting my GED, you know, I had my daughter, um, you know, went to work and did what I could, you know, in the situation that I was in. But um, years later, I ended up working for Planned Parenthood, accepting a position for them, Really, um, I think with a lot of unresolved pain and brokenness right. um, that I had experienced, that I think I had compartmentalized very well and suppressed for many years that I hadn't dealt with any of that. Um, and so I think, you know, going into this organization, you know, really believing that I was helping prevent girls from being in circumstances like I was. And it wasn't so much that I was preventing you know, women from becoming pregnant. I don't think that's where my pain was from because, you know, my daughter now, you know, and always has been the greatest joy of my life. But, you know, I think what was hurtful, what was the, the, the brokenness was from the abuse that I experienced with, the, with her father. Right. And so I really felt like I was trying to prevent other women from feeling and, and experiencing those same, you know, experiences. And so you went to work there and you worked there for like three years, right? Mm-hmm, I did, and and my intention really was to, you know, stay for a year, put this on my resume, and move on, you know, um, and, and for me, growing up in this really small rural town in, you know, far north Texas, um, you know, about 60 miles north of Dallas, so, so I was in this group in this really small rural town where, you know, abortion was something I was not familiar with. I knew it was legal. I knew it happened, but I didn't have any idea you know, of how many abortions had had taken place since, you know, the legalization of abortion. And so I didn't even know where women, you know, really went to uh, to receive an abortion. And so, you know, for me, Planned Parenthood was synonymous with gynecological care, 
You know, I didn't, right. you know, for most people, it's synonymous with abortion. But for me, it was just like, oh, this is, you know, a place where women who are low income or uninsured, uninsured can get, you know, birth control and, you know, other health care services. And so that's really what I was thinking I was doing, you know, is, is helping women, um, you know, get affordable, quote unquote, health care. And I believe that, you know, the Planned Parenthood Surgical Service was a separate institution, if you will. You know, like they were just completely separate from what I was doing. And so I think I really wanted to believe that so I could justify my work there um, so that I could really just, you know, separate myself somehow from the reality that I was complicit in abortion. Right. And you you didn't do abortions where you were, I think, if I read correctly, but you did referrals to other places to have that done. But did you uh, encourage people to use contraception? I mean, what what was your role at Planned Parenthood before you before you kind of had that epiphany? Right. Yeah. No, I was a clinic manager. So, you know, it's just equivalent to the clinic director of, you know, family planning referral Mm -hmm. facility. But, um, you know, I. I was we were referring for abortions and and the majority of all of our work was you know contraception that's you know and that's what I try to get people to understand that you know there's this part of planned parenthood that so many people defend you know which is the non-abortion side of business and I'm trying to get people to see through you know my story that you know we're all complicit number one because of our silence and our apathy right and you know our indifference to the whole issue but we're also contributing you know through you know tax funding so like when people say oh we shouldn't defund Planned Parenthood because we need them but we don't need them because this is the organization this is the part of the organization that continues to create new clientele it's it's future abortion uh you know clients for them you know we we have to get people to have sex and and um, be promiscuous and, you know, live these risky lifestyles so that they can become pregnant. And so if they do become pregnant, then Planned Parenthood becomes authority in their life and someone they can trust. And so then they go to Planned Parenthood to receive their abortion. So, you know, they're just, it's it's just this cycle that, you know, they continue to perpetuate this, this whole issue. And, um, and so that's what we did, you know, and I, and I saw that for three years. I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. I couldn't really, you know, see it clearly until after I left, but it made sense in hindsight looking back that, you know, that's what we did. We created future abortion clients for them. And so you're working there, you know, you realize something's not right. You finally decide, you know, I need to probably need to do something different. Uh, what was what was it that, that was the catalyst that kind of helped you get out of uh, you know, really just helping people promote abortion and, uh, you know, live a lifestyle that, like you said before, is not the lifestyle the Lord asks of us. Right, right. You know, there's, I, I try to pinpoint the catalyst, but I know for number one, you know, it's, it's, it was, a, it was my faith. You know, um, I know it's going to sound like a total plug for Catholic radio, but that's what happened. You know, that's where God reached me. He reached me through Catholic radio. I didn't even know Catholic radio existed. Right. And, you know, one day I'm just driving around looking for a parking you know, spot in, in a, a local Walmart, and um, I'm flipping through the radio stations, and I land on Catholic radio, and they're actually talking about abortion in that, in that moment. And that, you know, like, what are the odds that in that moment they're talking about you know, Planned Parenthood, abortion, and even contraception as an abortifacient. And so that really was the first thing, you know, that really just, whoa, it was the catalyst, if you will. 
Um, and then that planted the seed, which ultimately led to other things that transpired. One of those things um, is something I tell people in interviews and when I speak about, um, and it's also in my book about um, Lila Rose and, you know, live action exposing the sex trafficking, um, right. you know, scandal. And, and that was um, something I was still working for Planned Parenthood when they publicly announced that they were going to retrain their staff. And the retraining was not a retraining on how to identify or report abuse, but rather they trained us how to identify if we were being videotaped by any type of undercover investigators. And so that was kind of like that, you know, that moment of, you know, this is all a lie and everything that I've heard about Planned Parenthood is true. You know, all the negative things and, you know, all of the, you know, Planned Parenthood protesters who say, you know, these, this, who this organization really is, you know, I didn't want to believe that because I still wanted to believe that I was doing some good and that I kind of was working in this, you know, gray area, if you will, um, that I wasn't completely complicit and um, culpable, you know. And so I think, you know, after a few months, um, it was again through Catholic Radio that, um, and, you know, there was 40 Days for Life, you know, that had a huge, com- you know, component of, of all of this, too. Right. But, um, you know, it was taking part in the sacraments, going back to reconciliation, going to Mass regularly, receiving, you know, the Eucharist every Sunday, praying the Rosary, um, all of these things, you know, in my faith that really started to pull back, you know, the veil from my eyes. Like the scales just started to fall from my eyes and I started to see the truth. And um, and and then of course you know Divine Mercy Sunday uh, was really really profound and had a profound I had a profound experience at Mass on Divine Mercy Sunday um, May the first of 2011 which was also the beatification date of Saint John Paul II. Yeah, no um, coincidence there. No, right? And so I'm sitting in Mass and I just hear God's voice say to me, you know, I. You know, I forgive you and have faith in me, and so I think that whole have faith in me was a, was about me. You know, for the past five months, trying to take a leap of faith and walk out of a job that I knew I wanted to leave but couldn't. You know, like I didn't have that faith, and you know, that moment in mass was when I was just like, wow. You know, God is saying, you know, have faith and just take that leap. And yeah, you got you got um, the permission to do it. I did, yeah, the courage, you know, and so I did, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I ended up doing, and three months later, the clinic shut down. Well, that... that great joy there because we don't need that going on anymore. Hopefully we keep more and more shut down. You had mentioned your book. Uh, Why don't you tell people a little bit about your book and how they can get it? Yeah, my book is Redeemed by Grace, A Catholic Woman's Journey to Planned Parenthood and Back, and I had the the great, great... um, um, blessing of having Ignatius Press uh, publish that for me. Um, It's been out for a few years now, and it's in English and Spanish, and it's also in Ukrainian. (laughs) But, um, yeah. Well, I don't know if we have any Ukrainian listeners, but heck, you never know, right? Yeah, and so um, you can get that through Ignatius Press or Amazon, but it's just a beautiful story of faith. You know, I think um, oftentimes we're pigeonholed as just pro-life, but I think when we're Catholic and we embrace our Catholicism, the pro-life is just, you know, you're pro-life by default, right? So I think, um, you know, people will enjoy it certainly for the faith component, if not anything else. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's important people need to hear those kind of stories because we hear so many negative things. And, you know, you mentioned pro-life. It's it's not only conception and, and babies in the womb, but it's 
end of life issues with euthanasia and that type of thing. And, right. you know, we've, we've gotten into a point now and probably even when you worked at Planned Parenthood, you may not have thought, but, you know, now we have states and governors and different people talking about infanticide on right. top of everything yeah. else. I mean, it's almost like, well, how the heck did we get here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think my, um, I think I've had people, I actually had people too say that, you know, my book is challenging for them because of the contraceptive com- contraceptive component. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really, you know, my conversion was interesting because it, it happened first through contraception. And right. so most people have the abortion, you know, epiphany and then the contraception sure. comes later. But for me, it was reversed. Um, and so I think it was really more of, I probably was always pro-life and just didn't really know it. Um, and and then the contraceptive component opened the door. Like it just, I don't know, it just it makes you really see the bigger picture of how, you know, the abortion issue is not going to become unthinkable until contraception is made unthinkable because that's, right. that's what we're dealing with when, you know, people are close to life. And so I think for a lot of people that are not Catholics who are in, and Catholics alike too who are not embracing the ter- church's teaching on that, I think they really are challenged by this by this story. Well, and, and contraceptions and intrinsic evil, and no matter how you slice it, no matter how you try to uh, rationalize it, it's basically telling God, I know better about my life than you, and you stay out of that part of my life. So I couldn't agree with you more. We don't hear enough about that. Uh, so now you're a pro-life advocate. You'll be coming up here on January 11th for our Celebrate Life March. Why is it important for people to make a public witness to the gift of life? Yeah, you know, it, it's important for us to be in solidarity with everyone else across the country. I, I think one of the things that we often see, especially being on social media a lot, and I don't really engage too much, but I like to look and see what people are saying and um, kind of read people's comments. And I think it's super important for us because when we're when we're witnessing publicly this in this way, then it gives people other people the courage to also be vocal and to 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 be courageous because you know you you sometimes feel like you're in the minority you know when when we're defending life and we're defending you know um babies in the womb and and being vocal against out you know against abortion and so when we see you know people partaking in these marches and in these walks and you know supporting life like this it gives us more I think more courage to be more vocal. Yeah, and we're called right after every mass. We're told to go right. We're not supposed to stay in the in the church and 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 just you know, exactly kind of kind of meditate, which is okay. Hey, pray afterwards. But we're told to go out into the world and share the good news and share the truth. And the truth is that you know life begins at conception, and we're not the author of life, but we receive the gift. And I think you're right in terms of people feel more comfortable when they see other people doing it. And the more people do it, the more comfortable they get. And you know what? We're starting to see some changes in different states, which is finally good news because I think the reality is people understand. Almost everybody agrees it's a baby now. It's now become mm-hmm. an issue. It's a woman's right. Well, a woman's right, right to what? We want a woman to have a right to em- embrace their kill- children. Here, I love you. Get that first hug, that first kiss. You know, you have six children. I can't imagine mm-hmm. the warmth in your heart every time you get a hug or a kiss from your child or children. Right. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's the most beautiful blessing and gift that, that we could possibly have, especially as women, you know, just to think as a woman, you know, to be able to bring life into the world in this way. And it, it just, it 
boggles my mind, you know, to think of how many people advocate for the killing of the unborn and, you know, so many women who are buying that lie from Satan, really, that, you know, it's it's okay. It's not a big deal, you know. And then um, after it's all said and done, you know, living in that despair. Well, I'll tell you what, we can't wait to have you up here on January 11th. And so the march, uh, again, is January 11th here in Denver. It's called the Celebrate Life March. The rally will be at 1 o'clock. Ramona will be one of our featured speakers, and we're just so happy to have her and hear about her conversion. And we encourage everyone to come out, bring your families. We had 5,000 last year. We're hoping for 10 this year. And so, uh, Ramona, thanks for spending time giving us a a little taste of of what people can expect in January. Thanks again for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. We've just got done listening to Ramona Trevino, one of the featured speakers at the Celebrate Life March taking place on January 11th out at the Capitol. Now we're going to speak to Lynn Grandin, the director of the Respect Life Ministry for the Archdiocese of Denver, because I think people need to understand all the things that are going to be going on, why families should come out to this, why we should make uh, a public appearance and, and a witness for our faith and the defense of life for those who can't defend themselves. So thanks for joining us, Lynn. Good morning, everybody. So, Lynn, we have the march on January 11th, 2020. You've been busy putting this together for months now. So what is the day going to look like? What can people expect and what are the you know where what are the opportunities for them to go to mass, to come and listen? What are what's going on? Yeah, first of all, folks should check with their own parish to see if they're having a special mass in the morning prior to that. Contact their pastor or their administrative assistant there and see if they are having a mass. A lot of parishes are having masses and then breakfasts and burritos and buses. And they are heading downtown. Also, there will be masses ahead of time at the cathedral and at Holy Ghost Church. And those people then will walk over to the rally at the Capitol in the morning. So there's, it's a full day of activity starting in the morning and then usually finishing up around 3. That's how you should plan this out with your family. So it's going to be a full, fabulous day. So what is the website so people can get the details? Because I know the masses, I think the one at Holy Ghost is 11, the one at the cathedral is 1130. Mm -hmm. Just so people can kind of orient themselves, what is the website they can go to to get all this information? It's so easy to remember. It's respectlifedenver.org. That's respectlifedenver.org. And right when you pull it up, our homepage is there with all the information that you need about the event, as well as bus rental information, parking maps online that are current to help you if you're going down as a family of all the different places around downtown where you can park. It'll tell you about the masses and where they are and um, our theme and and uh, the events of the day. So you mentioned buses. You know, as of this recording, how many buses do we have scheduled already? We already, this is just the beginning of uh, December where we're planning this, and we already have 26 buses, which is even more than we ended up with last year. So it wouldn't be surprising for us to see 30 buses or more, hopefully. Our goal is for 10,000 people to come out because, as we all know, 
We're also collecting signatures for Initiative 120 to end late-term abortion in Colorado. So this is really an opportunity not only to celebrate life, but to actually put pen to paper and sign your name to say, hey, we need to stop this travesty that's going on here in Colorado. Is that correct? That's right. You know, um, late-term abortion has been a part of the state of Colorado since the late 60s. It's absolutely mortifying, and uh, many people just are not aware of that. So this is raising awareness in Colorado, and we will have tables for participation in petition signing there that day. So one of the things I hear a lot, Lynn, is, you know, I'm afraid to bring my family down there. You know, is it you know, going to be dangerous? I mean, what kind of atmosphere? Of course, everybody that said that when they've gone down to inspect it have changed their mind. But what can people with children expect if they come down to this event? Yes, we want to dispel that myth right here with all of us um, listening in because our event, the genre of the event is joyful, happy, peaceful. We have music there. We have uh, musicians. We have dancers. It's just absolute fun and um, inspiring speakers and families bring um, not only the senior citizens of their families, but people bring newborn babies and babies in strollers. And it's the opposite of what people are fearful of. This is not an angry marching, you know, that kind of thing. This is um, groups of people filled with joy with a short uh, march. It's not uh, tiring or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's a, such a fantastic event. And that's why we call it the Celebrate Life March, right? This isn't an mm -hmm. angry protest. This is no. a celebration of life and a defense of life. As a matter of fact, uh, I know there's you have something interesting to say, who's going to be leading the march and what that's going to look like. Why don't you tell the people what to expect? Yeah, everyone's going to love this, and our theme this year is very clever. It's called Every Life is a Gift, and to really make that a visual for our march, we have some schools that are participating in this with their children dressed up as presents. So I think this is going to be such a great photo op. So any families that are out there that would like to cooperate with this fun idea, they should dress their children up as a gift box and wrap it in wrapping paper, maybe put a bow on their head, because this is going to be so delightful and really speak to Denver on how the Catholic Church views every single human life. Well, I mean, I, I mean, how exciting is that to see a bunch of kids dressed as presents leading the march? I mean, that, I just just the <laughs> optics are thinking about it makes me want to laugh, yeah. especially if we have any dads that are trying to help make boxes, because if they're like me— They'll be unrecognizable other than maybe a head poking through. So we really want moms to, uh, you know, pitch in and, and use their uh, creativity as they dress their children up as packages. I mean, it is going to be a great event. Last year we had about 5,000 people. This year we'd love to get 10,000 people out there yes. to really witness for the gift of life. Can you go through who some of the speakers are and what they can expect at the rally prior to the march? Yep. Besides Ramona, we're having David B. right back because he's so ex exciting. He's the founder of 40 Days for Life. So he will be our MC again. Our archbishop will address everyone. We're going to have the president of the Catholic Medical Students Association speak 
a very powerful young man will be up. We have a young mother who has a tremendous success story about an unplanned pregnancy in her life that will um, have you needing to bring Kleenex. It's going to be just amazing. Uh, we have a student essay winner that's going to speak. We had an archdiocesan essay contest, and uh, that girl will be presenting hers as well. We have the St. John Vianney Choir coming back. We have Our Lady of Lourdes worship team starting everybody out. Um, and we have all the musicians and dancers coming back, and we even have the Mullen Drumline coming this year. This is not going to be a boring day. And for those of you who are starting to sweat because that sounds like a really long list, as we have the last couple of years, we will be on time. Oh, yeah. The march will start at 2 p.m. Otherwise, if it doesn't, you can call me and and chastise me. But the last two years, I've been watching my, my watch, and Lynn times it perfectly. So all these are slotted. It really is a fun time for families. It's a time you can count on. We'll be done and out of there by 3 o'clock. But it really will be a great opportunity to come sign Initiative 120 to say, hey, I want to end late-term abortion. We want to end all abortion in Colorado, but we're going to start with late-term abortion and really witness and see other people living their faith in a joyful, in a joyful, joyful manner. And every year it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. And we really are looking forward to people coming out. Again, what is the website, Lynn, before I forget? RespectLifeDenver.org. Please come and bring as many of your friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors that you can with you. Let's really show Colorado how much we value every human life. All right. So we're down to the last minute. So can you kind of go through the day again? We're going to have masses, rally, marches. Can you kind of go through the times just kind of yep. quick? Masses in the morning, depending upon where you are. Everybody get down to downtown, we will have the rally start at 1 p.m. West, west steps of the Capitol. Be there a little bit ahead of time before that because there will be a big crowd. You'll need to have time to park. And then the march starts at 2. We go around Civic Center Park. And then we have some fun activities at the end where everybody just kind of hangs out and connects with each other. It'll be a fabulous day. So for all of you who've been out there before, like Lynn said, invite a friend, a family member, a neighbor. We'd love to get to 10,000 people this year because, look, life depends on it. If we aren't willing to step up and, and make ourselves aware to the public that we care about these issues, then it's never going to change. And so we expect to see you out there, all 10,000 of you, and we can't wait till January 11th.